It's time for Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ The Fan, featuring Colin McDonald and Chris Foley. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Breezy Point Resort, your holiday station store on Mill Avenue and Cross Lake, Maury's Market, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, Ernie's on Gull, The Tea Hive, Halverson Law Office, and the Legacy Courses at Craigans. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. And now here's Chris Foley and Colin McDonald for Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan, and streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Also available now at uh, Podcast One. Chris Foley with us, as always. Uh, Chris, uh, welcome back. Good to have Thanks, you. Thanks, Matt. Good to be back. Got a guest with you, Aiden Smith. We'll get to Aiden in the last uh, segment of the show. That'll be fun. Glenn Hagbird's coming in, our buddy from uh, uh, from the Classic. From the classic, yeah. Glenn, he'll be here uh, next segment, so that'll be good. I have, kind of have an old uh, joke among my friends that I'm the nicest man in the world. They all call me that. But, man, with you and me and Hagbird, uh, man. <laughs> you, you guys are giving me some competition, I think, I, for that nicest man. Uh, I got you fooled there, Mac. <laughs> well, that's another gift of mine, faking yeah. sincerity. That <laughs> <laughs> works for me. On the PGA Tour, a popular guy, a controversial guy at times, Bubba Watson, uh, gets the game in line. All he does is come from six, shot ba- six shots back and wins the Travelers. Yeah, what what a Sunday. You know, shoots 63 in the final round and... Uh, uh, gosh, wins by three shots. You don't, you don't see a comeback like that very often on a Sunday, and you don't see a three-shot win very often. But I mean, he, he, Stuart Sink right behind him shoots sixty-two, and that was nice to see. Yeah, very nice. He Stuart has, uh, you know, he struggled a bit the the past uh, eighteen months or two years. His wife's been uh, battling cancer. She, I think, she's doing very well right now and healthy. So he's kind of been. Uh, golf's taking a little bit of a backseat, but great to see uh, Stewart play play well. And uh, uh, tied for a second was Bo Hosler, you know, the rookie, and he's having a great year. I mean, he's he is just shy of winning. It seems like almost every week. So, and a guy with all kinds of game and that can go low a lot, and uh, but is getting the reputation for not winning on Saturday and Sunday. And it's Paul Casey. He's yeah. a fantastic player. And he put uh, two in the drink, I think, in the last nine holes, and uh, just couldn't. The wheels were coming off, and he and he couldn't stop it. Yeah, finishes uh, shoots seventy two on Sunday, and uh, you know he followed up a sixty two Saturday with seventy two Sunday, and again kind of didn't didn't close the deal, unfortunately. But uh, uh, Paul Casey's had a great uh, you know great last eighteen months or two years, and uh, he's going to be a good Ryder Cup player for Europe. Well, the, 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 those European guys that are uh, in line for the Ryder Cup are playing very well right now. It's, uh, it's a little nervous for, for come September. Yeah, they really are. I, I like him, too. He's such a likable no, guy, and yes. you always kind of root for him. He's not quite in that uh, Lee Westwood category where for many years Lee was the best player to never win a major, and uh, now he's, he's not the best player anymore, but yes. he never did win a major. No. So. Casey is uh he's got one under his belt, right? Did he win the Open? Casey has not won a major. He's 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 had a lot of top 5, so. Yeah. So he's right to knock yeah. it on the door. And on the on the LPGA tour, I think it's Nasa Hatoka from Japan. She's a teenager 
and she had these gals behind her. Lexi Thompson was one of them. I think the, th- the three women right behind her have won 22 times on the LPGA Tour. Uh, she's either 18 or 19, and all yeah. she does is shoot 63 the last day. Pretty and strong. Send all those veterans packing. Yeah, pretty strong finish <laughs> there. and uh, uh, another, another win for the youth. Oh, man. It's everywhere, isn't yes. it? Yes. It's interesting. And then you wonder they, uh, what, what happens. Spieth is a great example. It looks like he's going to be the best guy in the world or one of them for 10 years. And uh, two years later, he can't putt, which is a strange thing in golf. Once you, you have that success, uh, the continued success, the all-time greats, the Nicholases and the Tigers and the Hogans and that have kept their game there are few and far between. Yeah. And there's some big valleys there. McElroy's in a big valley uh, a lot of the time, it seems, and Spieth is right now. So, Yeah, Spieth, if he could, if he could get the putter in order... Um, he will be winning a lot again, and um, I think he's gearing up for the the open to defend his title at the Open Championship coming up in a couple weeks. But he's really struggling with a flat stick, unfortunately, and um, really keeping him out of you know out of any contention from week in and week out. He played a great round on uh, first round to, to lead the first round. He and Zach Johnson, but uh, got to get that putting in order. Yeah, you sure do. I see. Uh, they, of course, every, everything he does makes the news. Tiger came out with a block putter. Uh, was practicing with the block putter uh, yesterday, I believe. Yeah, he uh, first time ever that uh, that Tiger has not used a blade. I think in at least in public. So he uh, he's got the uh, new tailor made putter in the bag, and we'll see how uh, see how see if he has that in the in the bag on the weekend. Right. It's an easier decision when they say, "Will you play this putter for a million dollars?" Yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think Tiger's short on cash, but he is short on performance on the putting green. Right. So. He's got to step that up a yeah. little bit. Uh, Glenn Hagberg from the Classic is uh, coming up next. Stick around for that. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Also available now at Podcast One. And special guest is Glenn Hagberg. He's the head professional at the Classic at Madden's. Glenn, thanks for coming in, man. Thanks, guys. Always nice to have Glenn. I was kidding Chris. Uh, I used to get uh, a lot of grief from my buddies that I was the nicest man in the world. Not just the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet, but the nicest <laughs> man in the world. But I said, boy, with Glenn and Chris here, I get some competition. <laughs> well, that's a compliment. I, <laughs> Chris said he can fake sincerity with the best of them. So. <laughs> Glenn, off and running, and uh, the course is in great shape. The cl- everybody wants to play the classic, and I don't know how many times you get asked, but everybody wants to play the classic. How's, the, how's it going over there so far this year? Good year, off and running. Uh of course, it seems like forever ago now that the uh, we were getting snowstorms in April. But um, uh, yeah, I've had a good spring, and and June's been good. Um, everything the whole way around, and uh, you know, I keep thinking that I'm going to jinx myself. But um, every year, or for probably about a five or six year run here, the the course has come out a winner with you know hardly a blemish on it, and uh, we've been very fortunate. Of course, that's a tribute to. Scott Hoffman and Scott Mady and and their crew and their diligence for uh, putting things away correctly in the winter, but um, uh, golly, the golf course is just perfect. I, it's it's just perfect. Fantastic. We, we we had the privilege of you hosting the Lakes Cup there on Sunday or the junior events that I run, and 
Um, like you said, the golf course was, was it's in fantastic shape. But it, you know, it, it it just amazes me as the, as the golf course matures year in and year out. And you know, I think this is twenty one years now, but it, it gets better every year, really. And uh, uh, the golf courses, it's just the layout is so good. It's uh, you know, my, my, I think it's the best in the state, personally. Well. That's- your your opinion carries a lot of credibility. So. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you've got to you've got to you're doing a new deal with your caddy program this year. Tell us tell us about that. Well, it's been pretty exciting, and and um, you know, it's been an exciting time at Madden's. Um, you know, with the transition from the second to the third generation, and you know, working with Ben and Abby, and um, you know, just their you know kind of fresh enthusiasm for, um, you know, they're taking over the business and, uh, you know, they're, um, relying on, you know, Tom and Ryan and I to, um, uh, you know, really take our golf operation, um, by, by the horns and, um, uh, you know, improve it and, and be innovative. And they've been very open to our idea ideas. So, um, so yeah, so this year, uh, was a uh, you know a very exciting and and big improvement for us. Um, we as we've talked about before, the caddies uh, have been an optional service for the last uh, about five years, and you know where where we've really seen it get utilized is in um, that Labor Day to uh, or Memorial Day to Labor Day time frame. Um, and especially in the mornings and, you know, gosh, on any, you know, today or, you know, on any given day, um, it seems like during the summer, you know, 50% of the people that are playing out on the golf course are, you know, from out of state, certainly out of the area. And, uh, you know, a large percent of have never played the golf course before, you know, another, you know, percentage, you know, maybe plays, you know, once or twice, but, you know, relatively, relatively unfamiliar with the golf course. So, you know, we were, just talking earlier, uh, you know, a little local knowledge really helps on that golf course and, and being a golf course that was designed with walking in mind. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice golf course to walk and, and certainly an above average walk with some, with some undulation and some elevation change, but, um, you know, a a nice walk with a caddy. Um, so it's been going good. So, so Tuesday to to Saturday before noon, caddies are included in the green fees. Our caddies are all, um, uh, you know, essentially 18 years of age or older, uh, and, you know, very, um, avid and skilled in what they do. So, you know, they provide a high level of service as you make your way through the golf course. And, um, uh, you know, it's, there's two different types of services that are offered. So both traditional caddy, uh, that'll carry the bag for people that prefer to walk and then four caddy services for people that prefer to ride. So. And our, our, People tend are they taking advantage of the the walking caddies and and walking or are they primarily four caddies? You know, I would say the um, certainly more than fifty percent right now are utilizing the caddies and in, in the four caddy services. Um, I think when people, you know, really think about walking the golf course when they're playing it, they realize that you know, with the exception of like you know, three green to four T and nine green to 10 T. Um, it's a very walkable golf course and, and you don't necessarily think, uh, of, of golf courses built in the modern area or within the last, last 20 years as being very walkable. So, um, 
you know, it's kind of getting over that hump a little bit of, of understanding that the golf course is very walkable. And I think when people are getting out and kind of thinking about it a little bit, um, I anticipate that that's going to grow and that more people are going to take advantage of the walking. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of walking and I, I rarely get on a cart unless I absolutely have to. And it's just, it's such a different experience to be able to to walk the golf course, you, you just experience the golf course any, wherever, wherever you're playing it, whether it's a classic or any of our, of our great golf courses in the area. But it's just you, you see so much more of the golf course. You get so much of a better feel. And the pace that you play at is so much more enjoyable than than riding up to the cart, waiting for the group ahead of you, riding up, waiting. Uh, it's just It's just such a great way to play the game and the way I think it should be played. Chris, you can really think your way around, too. You're a big proponent of that anyway, like when you're giving me a lesson or whatever the case might be. Then you'll think about the next shot. or, And that is just another opportunity for you to think if you have a caddy with you and he says, listen, you know, hit it down in the flat there. Don't go, you know, as a 10 to 1 shot, man. You're in the water <laughs> 9 out of 10 times. I guess you could go for it, but maybe hit it over there. <laughs> and, and the best thing for me is that the caddy does all the thinking for me. Right. And it kind of shuts my brain off, and I stop thinking about all the alternatives. And, uh, you know, by the time I arrive to my ball, they go, Glenn. I got 148 to the flag stick. We're a little into the wind. I like a 152 shot, a little left of the flag, and I grab my club and swing. And and uh, the less I think, normally the better I do. So. <laughs> yeah, that would work for me too. I think the less <laughs> I think, that would help me for sure. We were just talking last week a little bit, Chris and I, about uh, Nicholas kind of being the the modern day uh, yardage book guy. He kind of invented the yardage book on tour. He and Dean Beeman and uh, that's kind of less just like that. You know, he was on the tee, and uh, uh, he heard the other player say it's about 150 yards, and Jack said it's 153. And the other guy said, what difference does that make? And Jack said, it makes a lot of difference. <laughs> <laughs> so there with the caddy, 148, little wind. That's a, the advice that a, you know, a guy like myself really never gets. You, you, can, you can figure about what it is, and you don't really figure the wind too much unless it's really blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nineteenth hole, uh, Glenny. Lots of opportunities at uh, at Madden's for the nineteenth hole. First of all, let's talk about the classic grill a little bit. Just a terrific place, right on the golf course. Right after the round, you can stop or uh, with your buddies, uh, or before you go out if you'd like. But uh, uh, classic grill, what a what a great opportunity. Yeah, I think we're fortunate to have a good spot there, and and certainly a spot that uh, uh, you know, with there's some there's some urgency to get in and and it's an you know just a nice size dining room and and patio that's very comfortable and and um you know the i guess the atmosphere is is really what makes it and then um the the added value is that you know todd and his staff do a um you know a great job with the level of service that's provided um and uh, you know our our Romanian friends Alex and Andre and Dave and and the guys that have been around there a long time, um, you know that really really uh, take good care of people. And then um, Chef Daryl in the back, uh, you know, is a just a meticulous as meticulous as Scott is on the back. You know, Daryl is every bit as much with um, you know how how he prepares the food and what he demands of the the guys and gals working back in the kitchen so yeah it's a, it's a, certainly a good menu this year a little the same but a little bit different um you know the lunch menu as we uh 
were talking about earlier before the show. Um, we're lucky to some... keep Chris in the studio when he started talking <laughs> about that lunch menu. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I have a hard time straying from the, the chicken quesadillas, to be honest. So <laughs> I, I don't venture too far, but I, there, there are some good new things on the menu to, to check out. So okay. a lot of people know about the classic, uh, being a great restaurant in the area. Um, up until recently, the, the other, the other restaurants at the resort weren't as, uh, well known to the general public, but they uh, you've really you've kind of rebranded and reopened some restaurants at uh, at the resort itself. What uh, a couple of new venues there? Yeah, so the the Fairways Restaurant is up at the main complex, the Madden Inn and Golf Club, and uh, there's there's been some very nice renovation done in that restaurant, which you know just gives it a, a you know a little bit different feel, feel, a little more modern feel. The 19th hole was redone last year, which is right in that area as well. Um, so it's got a, you know, it's got a fresh look to it, a fresh menu, um, you know, much more, you know, kind of family friendly, um, uh, you know, American food and, you know, again, a nice atmosphere that, you know, the deck, which sits up overlooking the, you know, the first 10th and 18th holes of the East course. And then the, uh, and then Gull Lake off in the distance is, is a nice atmosphere, um, for the afternoon and evening. Uh, is one of our new restaurants that's or new rebranded that's been doing very well, and then you know really the I think the the hot spot um, that's in the works is Mission Point, which is um, uh, in all if you're out on the lake at all, it's it's uh, the yellow buildings all down that align align on the point at the Madden Lodge, and um, our Mission Point restaurant is um, I mean literally right on the water. My wife and I were down eating there last week and you know, gosh, it seems like there's boats driving by at, you know, about ten feet from you. Um, but it's a it's a nice atmosphere and uh you know, with Mission Point it's it's a lot it's very fresh, a lot of steaks and and, sur- and seafood, fish and um you know our concept with that is is that we thought that the the lakes area um uh, when Ivan's went away, Ivan's kind of had that reputation for the fresh seafood and fresh fish. And, uh, we thought that that was a niche that was missing in the lakes area that, that certainly people, you know, would have uh, a desire to dine at. So, um, I've been down there a few times myself. Uh, the chef Zane's doing a great job down there. The surface is good. The it's all fresh and, um, uh, a very nice spot and a brand new patio to check out down there. So nice. All right, we're going to get the two guys who love to play the golf course, obviously. You two guys. So, how about Glenn, a signature hole at the Classic for you? Well, my favorite hole is number eleven. So I like it from you know from up. You've got a potentially drivable par four, which I always find fun. From back, you've got a four hundred and fifty yard par four with a two hundred and seventy yard carry. <laughs> out of a shoot to the fairway, uh, and you've got to be in the left side of the fairway to have a good shot at the green. Otherwise, you're going to have some trees in the way. But then, you know, really, once you get down to that fairway, and you've you've got a, a view of the golf course, you know, where it opens up and you can see more of the golf course in that area than any other spot. Um, that I think is you know just beautiful and and very unique. I've never seen another hole like it. So nice, Chris. You love the course. Do you have a signature hole or a favorite hole? The last one I birdied usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no. so you haven't had one then. That's right. <laughs> for a while. For a while. <laughs> you know that that's tough. There's so many. I, I just I love the golf course, but you know I I think my favorite hole is uh, number sixteen. 
And um, kind of like Glenn, it has a similar perspective on the on the view on 16. And, you know, from 16, you can see 11 green. You can see uh, 8 green, 8 T-box. And... Um, and it's 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 a neat hole, you know. If you if you hit a great drive, you can knock it on in two. You know, a good risk reward hole. And see, that's um, where the caddy would say, "Lay up, man." <laughs> lay up. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I, I kind of like all the holes at the classic, but sixteen's among the favorites. He carried me last year when we got in the six six uh, six because that was a lot of fun over at your place, Glennie. And uh, uh, we got a little buzz in the clubhouse when Chris uh, decided <laughs> to play. <laughs> what about you, Mac? What's your favorite hole in the classic? Oh, boy. Uh, probably if I can escape with a par anywhere last year. <laughs> but, Chris, actually, I'm actually playing a little bit better. I'm going to give Chris some credit there. We had a short game lesson over the winter, and I think out of that second cut at the Classic, that short game might help me out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's Glenn Hagberg. He's the uh, head golf professional at the Classic. Glenn, I sure appreciate you taking the time and coming in. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Glenn. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Chris uh, giving a golf lesson as we speak. Uh, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and now available on Podcast One. Got a special guest, friend of the program. He's been on with us uh, a couple of years ago now, it's been. Bill Sinclair, assistant uh, golf course superintendent at Torrey Pines. Kind of a unique perspective from Bill coming up because uh, he set up U.S. Opens and uh, and he's been at U.S. Opens to see how to set up the next ones. And uh, Torrey Pines, uh, down the road, Bill, you're already locked in for 2021, right? Yeah, 2021 is our U.S. Open, so we're already in final preparation for that. It's amazing right how, how early you get on it. I was surprised when uh, well, we contacted you before to see if you could come on with us, and you were saying uh, things are already changing for 2021, huh? Yeah, they they, they start way in advance. We'll, we'll have a uh, USGA agronomist on site two years out you'll be there every day but uh, as of right now there's some they've been out a couple of times to make some changes to the golf course just to have it uh ready for what they're want for what they want yeah yeah we'll get back to tory and uh, the setup for 2021 which will be great um we just both watched uh, some of the u.s open bill i'm sure you watch with interest uh maybe more so as far as the setup and everything uh they got uh, a fair amount of criticism on saturday when the course dried out and the the difference between Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon, I think Chris said was six shots on the average player in the field. So that's a yeah. huge difference, isn't it? It is a huge difference. And there's a lot, a lot of things that went wrong. Um, when you look at what actually happened, I mean, yes, they, they got it wrong. They, they weren't expecting the wind and the wind hit them. There's a, they have a, a weather, a weather guy on site, their own personal weather guy that, is supposed to take care of that. I'm not sure his job's all that safe right now. <laughs> but um, besides that, you know, they're, when they set the golf course up, they've got to be very careful because the course is in such an edge all week. And it'll be the same for us. It'll be on edge, but you can't let it get over that edge. Right, yeah. You've got to protect that. And they failed to do so on Saturday. Then they overreacted on Sunday and put probably too much water down. And then the course became... A whole different golf course on Sunday. Which yeah, was kind of a shame, I thought. Yeah, it was a different golf course on Sunday and Saturday. You know, for a portion of the day, I think it was real good, and then, uh, uh, but boy, that uh, by late afternoon and a couple, of the, mostly it was pin placement. They seemed to be saying, and 
I think the USGA and nobody wants the players to be embarrassed, and there was an opportunity no. there for players to get embarrassed on a two or three holes. Yeah, there was a, there was probably three holes where he where he made some some pen placement disasters. That um, you know, it's it's really it's really unfortunate that that that, that had to happen that way. But I think all all in all, the Saturday round was a little too much over the top. Yeah, yeah. And there were some things that I think went probably went wrong. Number one is the, the communication skills between the golf course superintendent and the USGA ahead of time has to be, you have to know exactly what they want because the superintendent knows his property. The USGA are there for a couple of years. They don't really know the property as well as the golf course superintendent does. Sure. So you, what, what typically happens, if it depends how long the superintendent has been there, but if he knows his property, he wants to be the one making those decisions on exactly where to get the golf course. If the USGA makes those decisions, then they're kind of going by the seat of their pants, which it kind of looked like what happened over Saturday and Sunday, which which really can't happen. You can't you can't have that. Yeah, so, and they've they've run into it a, a couple of times now. They need to yeah. <laughs> they need to start getting it dialed in on a regular basis. Well, that's for sure. yeah, these these decisions need, need to be had well. And I mean, yes, weather does make a difference, but it can't make the total difference. You know, you have to have a control of your golf course where you know what you, you know what it can do. You know what you can do to it to get you where you need to be. I so mean, they didn't have any rain, so there was really no no excuse for it. Right. Thank. So, Bill, they've got an idea. Then, uh, say it's uh, the blueprint, I guess, if you will, for the perfect setup for Saturday. Then the weather changes, yeah. and they decide they should have decided we've got uh, three or four or five holes that we need to make a make a change on. Well, it was too late by that time. There was no yeah. wind when they teed off. You know, once once you set a golf course up, you can't change it. Sure. Yeah. So it's you know it was by that by that point it's too late. The wind wasn't up when they made those decisions, and but you have to anticipate some kind of a wind. They had wind all three days before that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure why they were expecting there to be no wind. They had some kind of a wind even on Thursday and Friday, and the golf course played I thought pretty fair on Thursday and Friday. It's not. It's not supposed to be an easy golf course. It's supposed to be it's the U.S. Open. It's supposed to be a very hard golf course. Right. Exactly. They really, yeah. they really want par to be a good score. Yeah. Yeah. That's their. That's their goal for the most part. It sure took the Spieth McElroy Mickelson group apart, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. That was surprising. Those three guys, man. Uh, yeah, and then the Tiger, of course, pretty much the same thing. He he never got uh, anywhere near. Playing decent no. golf, either really. No, it's, uh, I, I just don't think he's quite ready. He's on the right track, though. I think. I think it's, I think Tiger Woods is on the right track, and he may be back here. Maybe not winning majors, but certainly on the top of the leaderboards and winning some some tour events. Oh, I think really. so too. So he's, yeah, he's on yeah. he's on course. I think. Yeah, nobody works harder than Tiger, so that will be. No, uh, and he just he just came back. You got to give him a break. He just yeah. came back. He's only back for what three, four months. Agreed. Yeah, not enough time. Let's talk, uh, Bill, a little bit about Torrey Pines and uh, the uh, set. You had the uh, Open there in uh, 2008. You were heavily involved with that. And the year before, you'd gone to Oakmont, 2007, to kind of, uh, uh, I guess, kind of uh, see how they do it. And uh, you wanted to be, obviously, obviously, uh, prepared when it came to your place. Well, I I was actually there not for the the tournament. I was there for the advance week, which is the week before the tournament. Okay. So I just, my, I, what my concern was was setup, the setup of the golf course and how they wanted it. 
because I, I need to know, you need to know what questions to ask the USGA, you know, how do you want the golf course to play? You know, how, how firm do you want it? How wet do you want it? What height of rough? The, the, the course setup has changed significantly from 2008 to today. If you look at the way that, that uh, Shinnecock was set up, there was a pretty wide fairway yeah. and then a really thick first cut. The first cut was probably two and a half to three inches long. And then it was right to the heavy stuff. Well, at Torrey Pines in 08, we had a graduated rough. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, okay. Where the rough gradually got thicker, depending on how badly you hit it. You went 10 yards, then it was 2.5 inches. You went 25 yards, then it was 3.5 inches. All the way to 5.5 inches, depending on how bad you hit it. If you got to the 5.5 inch, you were just chopping out sideways. Sure, yeah, yeah. So it was It was just it was determined on you know how wide the goal, how, how bad the shot was was punished accordingly. Sure, yeah. how they did it. And they haven't done it like that for a while, though. So I'm not sure if the, if the process might change again. or. But it's, it's all going to be about the greens. It's all going to be about how the, how the greens are prepared. Yep, yep. The uh, history, of course... you got to get those greens ready for that. And it takes... Uh, that's all part of the preparation now, like you're saying, an uh-huh. agronomist on site, uh, uh, even as, uh, I mean, three years out, basically. Yeah. Yeah, well, two years. He's there every day, two years out. Um, the year before, we'll likely airify the green six times that year. Okay, wow. Instead of normally we airify the green three times. Yep, yep. We'll probably airify the green six times that year. Because you, you've got to get the lot of sand down so that when you do stress the plant out, it can handle that amount of stress. You know, when you look at the greens at, at uh, Shinnecock, they weren't handling the stress real good. They were getting pretty baked out on Thursday. You can see it on Thursday. Right, how yeah. How big top they were. Yep. And then they just totally lost control of it. Well, you, by agronomically taking care of that years, two years ahead of time, you can you can avoid that. Sure, okay. By having an extremely healthy plan that when you do stress it out, it can handle it. We're talking to Bill Sinclair. He's assistant superintendent at uh, Torrey Pines. Bill, the history of the course, the... Uh, uh, the Andy Williams came there. I think I think mm-hmm. kind of, they're kind of famous in 1968. Andy Williams is a big backer of golf, and it was yep. the Andy Williams for many many years. And the the U.S. Open course will be the South Course. It's a it's a 36 hole municipal course. So that's uh, I always love that that it's a that it's a muni that uh, you know it can be over for a week or two, and then we can go play. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're playing couple of days after the tournament, they're regularly playing the golf course. Yeah. Now, not the north course, because the north course will be, it'll take a long time for that to recover after the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that's where all the infrastructure is for the U.S. Open. It's on the other golf course. Sure, the small the small city that needs to be built. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the south course for our listeners, Bill, is the, is the famous course that's seen on TV that... Uh, that uh, Tiger has loved and Phil has loved over the years. Both those guys have played quite well at Torrey over the years, and I don't know how many wins they have between them, but quite a few. They've got quite a few, yeah. They've, they've, both, they've both done really well on the south course of Torrey Pines, especially Tiger Woods. You know, he's really he, he's, he's always played well. Obviously, lately he hasn't, but he just, he just came back in the game. But he's always played, whenever he is healthy enough, he always plays at Torrey Pines, as does Phil. And they both come out and they play. At the farm now, it's called the Farmers Insurance Open. Yeah, yeah, Farmers Insurance. Yeah, we have we have it every year. And what's the difference, Bill? You're out there working it every day, and the difference between the Farmers Insurance that we see every year on TV and then the U.S. Open in 2021. How how big a difference? 
It's completely different. I, I, I tell my guys, I've got a lot of fairly new guys on the crew right now, and, I, and they're all thinking, well, it's a tournament. No. You can multiply the preparation for the Farmers Insurance Open by 10 to put a U.S. Open on. It's, there's a lot more preparation. It starts a lot earlier. The golf course is closed for about a month and a half before the tournament. You know, we, we only get three days of course closure and prior to a Farmers Insurance Open. We get a month and a half of the U.S. Open. No kidding. <laughs> so it's a lot different. Yeah, everything, everything has got to be perfect exactly the way they want it. It's a, the international championship is supposed to be a, a very tough test of golf. It's not supposed to be fun. <laughs> it's supposed to be a, a, what it was at Shinnecock, other than when they lost it. It was going just fine. You know, one over par, one to tournament. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. You know, 2008, um, even par won the tournament at Torrey Pines. So that's, that's, what they're, that's, what they're, that's what their goal is. Sure, that's what they're looking for, yeah. And a couple of... Uh, identify the best golfer. Yeah, I, I love that about it, actually. I don't uh, yeah. I don't mind a few a few strokes over par or anything like that, like they had at no. uh, Wingfoot, which is coming up now again before too long. They've had some... Uh, scores at Wingfoot over par, certainly. They have. And uh, it's... Uh, well, the thing about Tory, at least at Tory, we can control the weather. There's not going to be any bad weather. 75 you know, and with, sunny. In June, we never get bad weather. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's, so that, a, that's, that's one thing you can take away from the equation. <laughs> that's San Diego weatherman jokes, isn't it? 75 and sunny. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that is not, That is a huge advantage, I think, for you guys prepping the course, isn't it? It really is. It really is a huge event. You can really take that golf course exactly where you want it. So with Pebble and Wingfoot and uh, Torrey Pines and uh, and just at Shinnecock, boy, I don't know if you could find uh, four better golf courses to represent the U.S. Open. No, there, there's some good ones coming up. Yeah. I'm a little biased, of course. You know, I'm kind of partial to Torrey Pines. but <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's going to be fun. It's, it'll be a fun tournament. So what's your main takeaway, Bill, as an assistant superintendent there, that uh, obviously you don't want to see some of the things that happened at Shinnecock happen at Torrey? No, we don't. And that, that's why we sent advanced guys out. There was, there was two, our director of golf and the assistant director of golf went this week, and they were checking all that. We had a big meeting about it already, about how they, how they did the setup for that golf course. And you, every every time you go to one, you learn exactly what the U.S.C., because the USA, They'll change. They're not. They're not afraid to change the way they do things to get it right. Yeah, yeah. And they and they will. And uh, as long as it, as long as it, we're making the decisions on what we do to the golf course, everything will be fine because we know exactly what we got. Sure. Yeah. So everything should should work out. It works. I mean, our, our U.S. Open in two thousand eight was. Again, I'm biased, but I think one of the best U.S. Opens in history. Tiger was one on one leg. It was, yeah. On the nineteenth hole in a playoff, <laughs> they showed it uh, several times before. At least highlights from like it. Eighteen uh, holes on the Monday, then then they went to the nineteenth hole. And there's the the super trivia quiz: What hole did Tiger was winner on? He actually won on number seven. That is good trivia. I would have missed that one right there. Because <laughs> they finished on eighteen, and were still tied. Yeah. Number seven is directly across from eighteen. And the USA, let's just go here. <laughs> they went over to seven. They played seven. Tiger won on number seven. That's where he, he has that flag, and his he's a flag for number seven in his house. Oh, very cool. Because he always did. You know, the caddy always takes a flag off the pole, and the player gets that flag. Right. Yeah. As a as a winner of the championship. 
Bill, when do you come to visit us here in the Lakes area? Coming up pretty soon. We're going to come uh, uh, second week in July, about third week in July, I believe we're coming up there. Well, let's you and I go play golf and then uh, sit sit on the sit on the patio at Zorba's and have one. What do you think of that idea? That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, I sure appreciate you. Ca- do that. Bill, I sure appreciate you coming on and joining us. I'm anxious to see you when you get here, and uh, uh, really appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks. That's Bill Sinclair, assistant superintendent at Torrey Pines. They're already prepping for the 2021 U.S. Open at Torrey. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. 1380 KLIZ, the fan streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Also available now at Podcast One. Uh, Chris got a special uh, guest with a young man uh, came all the way from Scotland just to get a lesson from you. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, not quite. But uh, we've been <laughs> want to welcome to the show Aiden Smith. Aiden is a uh, uh, from just north of, of St. Andrews, Scotland, kind of between St. Andrews and Aberdeen, and spending a couple of late, couple of weeks in the Brainerd Aches there working on his game and uh, seeing America. Welcome, welcome to the show, Aiden. Thanks. <laughs> tell us, uh, tell us what, what's your hometown and tell us the air, kind of about the area and where that is in relationship to St. Andrews and some of the other great golf in Scotland. So I stay somewhere, I stay between Aberdeen and Dundee. So I play at a place called Edsel. It's near, it's on the edge of the mountains, at mountainous area. But I have probably about four or five links courses, about 10, 15 minutes away from myself. I mean, I've also got places in Aberdeen, like Murker and Royal Aberdeen, that played, hosted the British Amateur this past week. last week, yeah. Yep. If you go further north, you've got Cruden Bay. You also have Trump's course as well, just north of Aberdeen. Yeah. And then if you want to go further south, you've got uh, Monty Feath, and then you can keep going even further away, which is like 40 minutes away. You've got St. Andrews and all the courses, which is awesome around that area. The home of golf. The home of golf. Yeah, Chris, you're their biggest supporter as far as uh, <laughs> well, uh, Americans go. Yeah, you played, I, went many times and enjoy as many courses as you can while yeah, you're there. Yeah, I, I, I love it over there. It's just, uh, uh, I've said it on the for- show before, but it's it's magical over there if you love golf. and. Uh, tell us what, what brought you to to Brainerd, Minnesota, Aiden. What what, what brought you here? Way so originally, I'm actually part of an academy run by a gentleman called Kevin Academy Taylor. Um, he owns a travel business which is based around St Andrews. However, he's had past doings with Scottish Golf, which is how I have developed my golf from probably about the age of twelve. Um, he's I asked him for some help after I actually finished high school to see how he could help me th- further develop, and he was wanting to start a mini academy sort of thing, so he's kind of been my mentor, and through his travels with people coming over to play St. Andrews, he met Chris, and then um, had a few words with Chris, and Chris said, why not <laughs> come over here and I can experience life in the U.S.? So, the, so people understand that in the U.S. there's kind of a, a path to playing, you know, you play mm-hmm. high school golf, and if you're good enough, you play college golf, and if, you know, you you are one of the elite players in college golf, then you you tend to go on and play professional golf, and it's a little little different in Europe and in Scotland. Tell us about your journey to, to playing golf. So, as I'm aware, obviously, you've got a lot of, America is very high on your colleges. Right. You, um... 
have studying and your sports usually go hand in hand over in America. As far as I'm aware, in the UK, where I've been brought up, it's kind of been more like a, a development. So you've been playing competitions as a young age. We have little foundations like the Polari Foundation and Stephen Gallagher Foundation, things like that. They're trying to help juniors of a smaller age get into golf. Um, I mean, also, and then you work further up, I mean, you've got the Scottish Golf, which is the main kind of programme that hosts tournaments, that sort of, sort of thing throughout Scotland. In terms of education, there is some sports I know that work with that, I mean, like universities and colleges. Um, however, unlike the US, where it's high, highly education, study, um, sports-based, and then you go on and see like 90% of the people on the PGA Tours and things like that are associated with a college. Yeah. Whereas most people from Europe have gone through the smaller tours, grinded it through, and then working on Europe, Euro Pro Tours, Challenge Tours, and then going to the European Tour. So basically, instead of playing for your school, you play for your club and then play yeah. for your county. Yeah, that's and then Basically, then get hopefully get on the national team. And So your, your hopes are to play professional golf. Yeah, hopefully. And I'm, I'm getting there, <laughs> getting there. That's good. That's what I was going to ask. Five or ten years down the road, where would you like to see yourself, Aiden? I definitely want to be playing on tour. I've got a few um, stages I want to meet my next couple of years. Sure. Um, I've this obviously this is like my first year or so without school. I've decided to take a couple of years off from school and see, go pursue my golfing dreams, and hopefully make that a reality within the next five years. Hopefully. European tour is would that be your dream uh, being from Europe or what is the U.S. tour in the in your in your mind? I think the U.S. tour, the PGA tour, is awesome. I think both tours have their own schedules, and I think the European tour and the PGA tour is like the best of both. I mean, either or. I mean, I'd be happy to be on either or. Sure. Yeah. yeah absolutely. What um, you know, getting away from the competitive side. Tell tell us some some of your favorite golf courses in the in the UK? So my first course that I played with the men's amateur last year was at Presswick, which is where the Open was first held. I mean, that was, apart from St. Andrews, that's probably one of the best places I've ever been. Yeah, I mean, the whole little setup, it's in its own little kind of town area, well, obviously with the airports and things, but it's got its own little historic little area there. I mean, you can just see good golf courses when you arrive, and it's just... It's got its old heritage still there. I mean, it's just like yeah. St Andrews, and St Andrews is St Andrews is its own little special place. The whole town and people in it, and then it's just golf mad. Pre- Presswick was the site of the very first British Open. Yeah, old Tom Morris was the original golf pro at, at Presswick. So I did not know that. Yes. I didn't go in the clubhouse that much. <laughs> <laughs> How about any, any others favorites? Um, one that always springs to mind is Dunbar down the east coast again played that in the scottish boys championship um it's probably not one that i'm aware of i didn't know it really existed but i mean again it's these little courses can always pop up and you're like really surprised by it but i mean i played it the whole setup again it's really by the sea it's got a historic kind of feel to it and the way it's mapped out is very original yeah people do, people who go over it for a Scottish golf holiday don't if they if they only play courses that were that are maybe on the British Open rotation mm-hmm. make a mistake yeah and that there there's so many great great golf experiences that you've never heard of 
like totally. Bar, yeah. like Crail. Crail's uh, a good one, yeah. Cruden Bay. Uh, some of these, uh, maybe not so off the beaten path, but ones that that aren't in Americans' minds, um, they don't know about. But there's so many great golf courses and great golf experiences there. Can't go wrong. Yes. We were talking off, Mike, uh, guys, about uh, some of the, just coincidentally, really, uh, Bubba Watson wins this week, one of the most uh, unique swings, taught himself the game, basically. And then uh, this uh, Hao Sung Choi has uh, got a video out. He's a Japanese professional golfer who's, uh, trying to qualify for the British Open, so obviously he's quite a good player. It's very but good player. his swing is uh, something else. Uh, if you think of the biggest swing he ever took in baseball and swung out of the batter's box, that's kind of how he finishes up. Yeah, he uh, you know he almost won the Korean Open this this past weekend, which would have qualified for him for the British Open. And uh, you know, I think he's I'd never seen him his him before his swing but if if you haven't seen it go look it up on youtube or the golf channel site and it's very unique uh he's he's definitely a great showman and uh we need more of uh him in the game to to get people excited it's it's fun to watch yeah there there does need to be a few more characters i think you're right yeah one guy who might fall into that category and, and another uh uh, Bryson DeChambeau is a pretty unique swing and a pretty unique guy. I mean, nobody analyzes a game of golf maybe ever like Bryson does. We were talking about how he's uh, had the compass on the green, and now the PGA is looking into whether that's okay. <laughs> and you just think, you know, who cares? Yeah. Let him have the yeah. compass. Yeah, he uh, Bryson is he, he's a unique guy. I mean, he's so he thinks on a different level than most of us. <laughs> and you know, he was a studied physics. At SMU in college, and uh, you know, unique golf swing. Everything he does is a little unique, uh, including his, his single single length irons that he plays, and all <laughs> kinds of things. He's like, uh, if you remember the old cartoon, the uh, you know, Foghorn Leghorn, <laughs> and the little chicken hawk guy yeah. with the glasses, and he's always drawing up the, the, next, right. the next great invention. <laughs> That's kind of Bryson. That's a pretty Hall. good analogy, Mac. <laughs> I like it. So the irons cut to, uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, Chris, but I kind of thought, you know, you have a sweet spot in your swing somewhere. Maybe it's your six iron, maybe it's your eight iron, whatever case might be. You have a probably have an iron or two in your bag that you always think you're going to hit pretty well. So if you cut all the irons to the six iron length, why couldn't you do that or why don't more people do it? Well, it's a, it's a concept that has been tried before. It was back in the mid-'80s. Uh, uh, Tommy Armour had a set of called, clubs called the EQLs that were all the same length. They were they were also six iron length, just, just like Bryson plays. And because of Bryson DeChambeau, they've that concept has gained some popularity again. Um, it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, on on the on your long irons, uh, they're maybe a little easier to hit because the shaft is shorter. Um, you know, if you've got a four iron or three iron in a six iron length, it might be a little easier to hit, to find the sweet spot and uh, and hit hit the ball solidly. Uh, at the other end of the the equation, your nine iron pitching wedge, sand wedge, those being the length of your six iron, it, I think is a little more difficult. And it uh, you know the, it it totally changes the gapping of your clubs. There's there's Bigger gaps in in between clubs. Uh, the short irons you hit a lot longer. The the short the long irons you hit a little shorter. So there there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of of 
getting used to our education and in, in playing a set of those golf clubs. But for me, I find that the, the chipping and the pitching becomes very difficult with that long of club in your hands. Yeah, I could see that. Sure, and that makes sense. Uh, Tito's Handmade Vodka is the sponsor of uh, the 19th hole for us. We want to thank Tito's again for that. We would ask Chris his favorite 19th hole in Scotland, Aiden, but we don't have another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden, thanks for coming in and joining us. Thanks for having me. Chris, thanks a million. Thank you, Mac. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. <laughs> thanks for listening to today's edition of Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Breezy Point Resort, your holiday station store on Mill Avenue and Cross Lake, Maury's Market, Ernie's on Gull, the T-Hive, Halverson Law Office, and the Legacy Courses at Craigans. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. We now return to our regularly scheduled program at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan.